Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. Motors Town and Benjarowski show as I speak. It is Thursday, September 14th, 2023. Uh, and I'm going to read to you a headline uh, from today's paper that'll be apropos to what we're going to be talking about. So this is from today's Sun-Times. I will show it to my distinguished guests that it is a real newspaper that I'm reading from, not some little funky thing on the phone. Uh, and here is the headlines. Now, for this headline, for all you millennials and Zs, people under the age of 55, uh, the Chicago Sun-Times is a tabloid. So the front page of the Sun-Times is the news section. The back page of the Sun-Times is the sports section. Are you following millennials? Okay, there's going to be a test. And the back section. So you could just turn to the back section and read the sports. And that's what's apropos to this conversation. Political junkies, you're going to learn a little something about sports. So don't run away. Don't be afraid. Take out your pen and your paper. You too. You left these out there. You should know more about sports in general. Okay. Uh, that's my editorial comment today about lefties who don't know. I have two lefties here who I'll introduce in a little bit who love sports. So they're kind of defying uh, the stereotype. Here's the headline on the back page of my beloved bright one, home delivered every day. Deep dish. Fields and Eberflus agree. Bears quarterback must take longer shots downfield to spark offense. Oh, my God. Sometimes, you know, I love you. But if you think that's your takeaway from Sunday's debacle, <laughs> well, if only he threw the ball down. <laughs> that game was a disgrace. The Bears and her home opener at Soldier Field essentially playing to win over their fans so they could get public support to get a big giant handout to build their stadium flunked. I would argue that the only good thing that came out of that utterly miserable performance on Sunday was that in May, underline May, 
have deterred, I don't know, the powers that be in the state, in the city, in the suburbs, for giving money to the Bears to build something they don't deserve. I will say this to you, people in Arlington Heights. I will say this to you, Mayor Brandon Johnson. I will say this to you, Governor J.B. Pritzker, and all you state reps who have to decide this. We supposedly live in a meritocracy. The Chicago Bears have not earned the right for a handout. In fact, you know what? They should pay us. They should pay us for having to watch that god-awful game on uh, Sunday where they were disastrous from every angle. All right, without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guests to introduce themselves. They have a lot to say in this matter, too. I'm going to start with distinguished guests whose initials are M.B. M.B. Introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Moise Mwani, uh Chicago Public School teacher, CTU member, and depressed Bears fan. Yes, and he's also, uh, you, people have heard him on the show many times uh, talking politics, ran for Alderman in the 50th Ward. Uh, he is also, he's being shy all of a sudden about this, a football coach. The man knows football inside and out. So on Sunday, I was uh, at home, my foot up, because I have a throbbing, big toe, painful gout. I can't go anywhere. I'm subjected, Moise, to this god-awful game. And I'm getting one text after another from Moise, brilliantly analyzing <laughs> what's wrong with the Bears. So he's a, uh, he knows a lot more about the game itself than I do. All right, we have another guest and his initials are M.G. He's so happy right now, ladies and gentlemen. M.G., introduce yourself. M.G.J., Matt Ginsburg, J. Cole. Uh, I am Weez's fellow member of 50th Ward United Working Families, uh, and I am an interpreter, translator in Chicago, big fan of the Ben Jarofsky Show, and an elated Green Bay Packers owner one of the uh, five million or so owners of the uh, green bay <laughs> so you know people say ben you only talk to people that you agree with and that's not true i've had nick spazato on this show okay raylo raylo's been on the show raymond lopez has been on the show mayor Lori lightfoot was on the show okay she was a candidate at the time but she was on the show. these are people that i don't agree with a lot on politically uh, Matt and I agree on a lot politically. The guy was one of the leaders of the fight, uh, unsuccessful to save the mental health clinic. So I have deep respect for him. When it comes to football, here's the, here's what happened, ladies and gentlemen. When he was very, very young, Matt got lost in the woods and without, went without food for like two weeks. And when he came out of the woods, he's never been the same. His parents have taken him to counseling. They've tried really hard, but he cannot rid himself of his strange love for the Green Bay Packers. But we we allow him on the show anyway uh, because I believe in giving equal say to all kinds. So we have a Green Bay Packer fan on. Matt, you're very eager to uh, <laughs> torment me and Moise uh, with something that you created. So why don't you introduce what you're going to do and then do it. So uh, we are subjected to it. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, thank you for starting out that way. So, uh, you know, I I, uh, I think that we need to bring a little levity to the situation. I've seen nothing but doom and gloom and sadness from all of my dearly beloved uh, neighbors who are Bears fans, friends who are Bears fans. And so I thought I'd write you all a little tune to uh, perhaps cheer you up or at least help you tune into reality a little bit here. Uh, it's, uh, it's a takeoff on a Wisconsin classic called The Bears Still Suck. Mm. 
Uh, <laughs> it's a little political twist in it dedicated to the Ben Jarofsky show and listeners with a familiar theme. So here we go. Bears fans, here's some news. Your new owner was in town. His name is Jordan Love, and he made you look like clowns. Roger has moved on. Yes, we all had enough. But from the looks of it, the Bears' luck still is tough. The Bears still suck. Well, the Bears still suck. The Bears still suck. They really, 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 really suck. Well, the Bears still suck. Here's the one for the Ben Jarofsky listeners. Here come the McCaskies. They're stretching out their hand. Asking for tax dollars and a free piece of land. We all know that it is just a scheme. But from too bad like us Packers fans, you don't own your team. The Bears still suck. Yes, the Bears still suck. The Bears still suck. Oh, well, the Bears still suck. They really, 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 really suck. Oh, well, the Bears still suck. And I'll stop singing, but the last verse that I had composed goes out to you too, I want to say. This verse goes out to my friends, Ben and Moise. They hate the Packers much, but they do love our cheese. Okay, use Bear fans, you can stay mad. If I liked that team, I too would be uh, sad. The Bear. <laughs> I see you corrected the, the cheese line because uh, it was inaccurate as originally composed because I do love cheese. All right, I had to let him do that, Moise. Uh, I just, I think I promised him to do it. Yeah, Moise is disgusted. All right, um, so... I'll start with Moise on this one. A diehard Bear fan, a football coach, knows the game inside out. Before uh, Sunday's game, you predicted the Bears would be victorious. I think you said it would be a blowout. I don't have the exact score in front of me. Uh, and you also predicted that the Bears would be would have a successful uh, team this year, that they would, um, I think it was be 11-6 and six is my memory of what you said. Uh, have you changed your opinion about this year's Chicago Bears having watched game one, Moise. Oh yeah. Shit's over. It's over. They're gonna they're gonna get their ass whooped in Tampa. Uh they're gonna lose to Kansas. They're gonna go 0 four, for sure. Maybe Denver is still all over the place. I don't know, man. I'm just depressed. I think during the preseason you saw them calling some real vanilla shit out there. Like, you know, I was watching the games, I'm like, what are they doing? Right? And you start putting some of the context together where where they keep making these comments about Justin, our QB, Justin Fields, where they're like, oh, he's just got to take the gimmies. He's got to take the gimmies, right? And I'm just like, man, there was that stretch where he went against New England, where he went against Philly, where he went went against Buffalo, and it was just like, man, we have a quarterback. And it just seems like they've been drilling the quarterback position out of him and then, I, you know, I, I think I sent you a text barrage last night uh, about, like, how Hallis Hall just seemed like, it. one, they let too many players speak. Like, the amount of players giving insights and kind of, like, indicting the coaching staff was really bothersome. But then you have, like, you know, Justin kind of being like, yeah, you know, I, I got to throw the ball deep. But, um, you know, then talking about the game plan and – Kind of, kind of making a reference to what gets the Astro. Like I think someone said about like, hey, you know, why not change it up? And he's like, we practice this. You have to trust your OC. And I'm just like, man, 
you know, like I had really believed my, you know, convinced myself in preseason where I'm like, oh, they're running vanilla stuff because they don't want to give away the stuff that they've built on and the stuff that we've seen. Um, and, you know, I sent you the clip where Layla Rahimi this morning was like, it seems like a continuation of the last few games at the end of last season and what happened in the summer, what happened in all these practices, what happened in all these different circumstances. I, I think the toughest part for me is how much as I'm sitting here watching Matt sing his terrible song and be reminded again why these folks are insufferable and they deserve to like, you know, they deserve to be nuked to the sun, that entire Green Bay area. Um, I'm just sitting here being like, man, you know, like there's a lot of shit, right? Like when Eberflus was hired, I was like, I don't know, man, especially with like Doug Peterson, a bunch of folks out there. And then watching Ryan Poles not draft Jalen Carter, watching them not draft a center, watching them leave obvious holes on this team. And it's like, I, I just, it like dawned on me after they got their ass whooped to the Packers where I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I like, why am I trying to convince myself, you know, things are different. So I, I'm very, very much down right now. All right. So before I bring things over to the gloating, uh, Matt Ginsburg, let me ask this. Um, was there any reason other than exuberance and hope uh, and delusion that motivated you to say the Bears would destroy the Packers and go 11 and 6? Uh, in other words, did you see something on Sunday that you didn't realize before Sunday that now makes you realize, oh my God, I was really off? Or were you just delusional when you predicted those things? I think, I think one, they showed some flashes last year and they played really hard. That was not a good roster, but they played really hard for this coach. And part of me, like no one saw, you know, Bill Belichick coming. You know, he had failed in one coaching position. No one saw him coming. And I'm not comparing Eberflus to Belichick in any which way, but like, dude is a hell of a positional coach. Like he's built incredible linebackers. He does believe in a philosophy of like, we can make plays. We can really build the intensity. But I think what I saw on Sunday, Luke Getze, you know, Bobby Hill looking ass, calling offensive plays, which are terrible. Watching Allen Williams sit in a cover two shell, um, you know, watching these exchanges between the linebackers and corners where Aaron Jones hit that diamond route, took it to the house. And you realize like, they are who they are. And I think the biggest indictment that really like hurt my soul is you heard Matt LaFleur. And this is another point I want to make to Matt about, you know, congratulations on getting Walmart Kirk Cousins. And I hope y'all enjoy quarterback purgatory because you're going to convince yourself he's better. He's not. But like LaFleur straight up said, he's like, yeah, we didn't divert from the game plan. Yeah, we just, you know, we didn't make any checks. We ran whatever we were supposed to run. And that's telling you to your face, like, He's telling you to the base, the Bears are who they are. And that defense couldn't, we didn't even have to throw a wrinkle in. That defense couldn't stop our base game plan. And that, that kind of was like the moment for me, you know, like where I was just like, yeah, everything I felt after Sunday where I'm like, this team is a mess. And then watching how it's all, it's, it's all messy. All right. Uh, so, uh, Matt, uh, the Matt in question is not Matt who's about to talk. Uh, Matt LaFleur is the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, and he, he epitomizes like the bro, uh, so like the bro model of coaches, which I've noticed for the last five years, I've commented on, and that this is like they get these guys and they stamp them out, 
and uh, have you ever known? They, they look like they're like they've been hanging around Wrigley Field, uh, the area, the bars around Wrigley Field on a Saturday night. You know, that's kind of like the one at the, the dude. Oh boy, and uh, for the Rams is is cut from the same cloth. There's like these skinny guys, and they don't shave. You know, or they they shave in such a way they always have the same growth. And you know, they're what's the kid's name? Uh, yeah, Matt's got a little of that going. You guys help me. Um, the the guy uh, I always forget. Oh, uh, the the really annoying guy from American Idol, not Simon. The the one Ryan, what was his name Ryan Ryan Seacrest. Yeah, they are. Their model in life is Ryan Seacrest, Matt Lafleur, and McVeigh in L.A. Every day they wake up and they go, "How can I look more more like Ryan Seacrest?" So that's just like a model now in the in the NFL. It's really annoying. Thank goodness it hasn't come to basketball. All right. Uh, so, Matt, um, <laughs> the floor is yours. Uh, I would like to ask you this. Putting aside your your love for the Packers, so hold off on, your, on saying how wonderful the Green Bay is. You predicted the Bears would lose. You thought it would be a closer game than it was. And you predicted the Bears when I believe you had them coming in at eight and nine. I'm doing this from memory. So a mediocre season. So wh- why did you think the game would be closer than it was? And do you now agree with Moise that the Bears are even worse than mediocrity? Go ahead. Um, you know, I mean, both of these are teams in an incredible amount of transition. I mean, you, you try to make predictions based on previous matchups, and it's just completely different folks on both sides of the ball. So it, it's really, to be honest, when I made those predictions, hard to know which way things were going to go. Um, I uh, I can't put the Bears at a winning season, so I wasn't about to do that. But I did think that they'd be more competitive this year than last, so I put them about half and half. And I'm also not going to, uh, with so many uncertainties on Green Bay side, uh, put us at, you know, overestimate our umph, particularly going into Soldier Field week one, biggest rivalry with a young quarterback and a very, very young overall team missing um, our, our number one go-to wide receiver uh, on the injured list uh, right now. And so, you know, I wasn't going to be overconfident in either either prediction. Um, you know, the, bear, the Bears suck. They all they always suck. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to argue with anybody that says that the bears suck. I will say there's a tinge to the to the way in which Moise is saying that is trying to take away the uh, rightfully deserved glory of the Green Bay Packers, our franchise, our coaches, and our our players who play with heart. You know, and uh, that part I I disagree with. You know, Moise really in all of this. Follow me here, Ben, because you you remember the mental health struggle. He he's Rahm Emanuel. Uh, Rahm Emanuel loved to tell how. By closing mental health clinics, he was actually expanding mental health services. He said it over and over again, referenced it on the show. And likewise, he loves to say how by crushing the Bears, by being the quarterback that's the only one in week one to throw three touchdown passes, the Packers have somehow shown themselves to be a mediocre team and stuck in uh, so-called uh, quarterback um, purgatory. Purgatory is that Yeah, the- that's what he said. So... Uh, uh, Moises the Rahm Emanuel, you on mean, meanwhile with the, this uh, oh Matt Lafleur, I don't like him because he's he's annoying and bro. You're you're the folks in the uh, in the establishment community uh, who who told us during the mental health fights that we might be on the right side, but we were we were annoyed. <laughs> Wait a minute, how is that? That's not even like a a clever metaphor. It's not even an app. It, it, 
Admit he look he's, he's he looks like a guy who's at been drinking outside of Wrigley Field on a Saturday. Admit it. Don't deny that. He looks that that's who he is. That's your coach. He's hanging out at Sluggers. <laughs> as, as somebody whose favorite baseball teams are the Brewers, the White Sox, and anybody who's playing the Cubs, I will never compare the coach of my beloved Green Bay Packers to a person in the Wrigleyville. Oh my God. He looks I think he's got an apartment on Addison. And he goes, Oh god, I love going to Cubs games. Um all right, uh, so uh, Matt, so to uh, push back on what Moe said, do you think uh, the Packers' victory indicated that the Bears were awful, uh, as Moe's is suggesting, and that the Packers are therefore mediocre, or do you think it's a sign of hopefulness for Cheeseheads and that the Packers actually reveal themselves to be an outstanding team? I, I think it's a, a bit of both. I'm I'm not going to overstate, uh, you know, this is a rebuild year and a rebuild process for the Packers in the wake of um, what's been very much a, a Rogers-centric organization for a long time now. So I'm not going to overstate my confidence. I think that I feel very hopeful. I, I think that people, particularly those outside of, of uh, Green Bay or outside of the Packers fandom who don't follow closely had a mistaken assumption that the entire success of the organization was just dumb luck of having struck gold twice in a row with great quarterbacks. And that's, that's just not the case. We've had, we've had a, a system that has been very good at developing great players, going out and getting uh, players with promise and turning them into who they can be. And more than anything, we got heart. We got heart like nobody's business, and we have loyalty, loyalty from the fan base. I mean, I want to tell you, I want to fact check you real quick, uh, Ben Dross. You said uh, uh, you introduced Moise as a diehard Bears fan. You know, when I first started hanging out around Moise, he had given up on the Bears. He was a Seahawks fan because he liked former Wisconsin Badger, Russell Williams, uh, so much. He had given up. He was wearing the Seahawks colors. That's who he was rooting for. And now he has a little glimmer of hope. That's classic Bears <laughs> Wait fan a minute. maneuver. Hold on. It, this, this requires a rebuttal. Is that true, what he said? Uh, first and foremost, it's Russell Wilson. Um, I also love the Seahawks. I became a Seahawks fan because of the Legion of Doom. And because that was kind of the response, you know, during uh, kind of the change in football around racial justice, especially around the time of Kaepernick, like that was a badass team. And they were a response to Tom Brady and like, you know, obviously that loss in the Super Bowl ruined a lot, but I love that team. Uh, and here's the thing. I think there's nothing in Chicago that isn't like Chicago with all of us having other favorite teams because our franchise suck, but I've never given up on the bears. Listen, dude, I have an entire, um, I have an entire graveyard of bears jerseys of players I believed in because that's how much of a fan I am. So uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and sit, disagree with Matt and all these weird, we got heart and we're a bunch of Rudy's lining up, you know, that's where we are. Like this is nonsense. Um, you had two hall of fame quarterbacks. You wasted both of them. You didn't get multiple super bowls out of them. Grossman and Rodgers went to the same amount of Super Bowls. That's depressing. Um, and I mean, come on, man. You, you beat the Bears. You, you beat the Bears. And I, and like, again, one of the sad things that us Bears fans have to recognize if the Lions didn't exist in this division, we would be the Lions. And I know there's some data out there saying this last two decades, we aren't that far off. Um, but yeah, Green Bay still sucks. They don't have anything over there. Um, I think. I'm going to, I'm going to say this again to Matt, like, or sorry, I'm going to say this to the audience and folks listening. Look how scared he is to not go fully in on his team. Jordan love Justin, Justin had a bad game 
and he still had a higher PFF rating than Justin uh, than Jordan Love. Jordan Love looked shaky out there whenever like he did not get pressed. And let me put it this way: ain't no other stupid team gonna run our system. He's gonna get pressed. He's gonna get pressed, and I'm gonna be really happy to see. But I do hope he does well enough. So you guys are like Minnesota Vikings fans, or you keep convincing yourself that this is a guy who's gonna take us to the top. And then in that time, God, you know, God willing, inshallah, the Bears discover the forward pass, or the McCaskies sell the franchise, or if you're listening, Mary Johnson, let him go, let him leave the state, get their ass out of here. Something like that will happen for us while Green Bay is in um, quarterback turmoil wow um okay so i just have to address one thing before i allow uh matt to have rebuttal time so i did not know you had that uh fleeting uh affair with the seattle uh seahawks uh i am very i think i've told you this moise in regards to the bulls i got one team I'm not, I'm not like one of these Chicago guys that became Laker fans. You know what I'm saying? Because the Lakers are on top. One team, ride or die, scream and yell. And so I'm a little disappointed to hear you had that moment uh, where you, uh, I did not know that. You kept that from me. I don't blame you. Um, I would have been embarrassed too. I will say this the single dumbest move that any front office has made in this century arguably in the entire history of the NFL, but definitely in this century, is when the Chicago Bears thought it was a good idea to take Mitch Trubisky over uh, Patrick Mahomes. Single dumbest move of the 21st century. The single dumbest call in a game in this century and perhaps in the entire history of the NFL was when Pete Carroll thought it was a good idea to throw the ball inside the one yard line on fourth down. When you got Marshawn Lynch, (laughs) I'm like, what that, that move was dumber than anything Matt Eberflus did on Sunday, which is saying a lot. And I'll get into one of the dumbest moves. So do you agree with me that what Pete Carroll did in that Super Bowl is the uh, play calling equivalent of the Bears taking Trubisky? Go. No. Pete Pete's move was more egregious. I don't know. It's debatable, right? Because you would expect Russ to make a better throw. But it's like, I, I think in this analogy, what you would say, like, take the layup, Right give Marshawn Lynch the ball for the bears. And I know we do not speak of him because he's, he's a terrible person. Uh, But if you were looking at that draft, you would have probably selected Deshaun Watson. John Fox wanted Deshaun Watson. He was a winner. He could play uh, all these things. Right. So I think there is some coherence there. Like Pete, make the layup, give Marshawn the ball, beat Tampa or beat, uh, sorry, New England. And for the bears front office, Draft Deshaun Watson. Don't fall in love with the quarterback because he drives a 1995 Toyota Camry, which is what our GM did. Um, and, you know, like, but here's the thing. Like, I think Mitch is, I don't think Mitch is good. Um, you know, like, I, I like Trubisky as a person, but him not winning the job in Pittsburgh cements, obviously, that he's not, you know, he's going to be great. But I think, I hope people were watching last Thursday, right? What did Mahomes look like with Matt Nagy calling those plays? Matt Nagy was calling the game. Like they looked awful. You didn't have Travis Kelsey. I I'm I'm more fixated on the fact that this ownership 
and this city can't seem to figure out a quarterback. So I, I do like there are always those theories that if Mahomes was in the Bears, he'd be Trubisky, right? He just would be getting his brains beat in. He wouldn't know what he's doing. So it's hard to say. But like I, I, I would say, you know, I don't think anybody knew how good Patrick Mahomes was going to be. I thought he was a badass at Texas Tech, but those systems, the air raid systems in college, they tend to have these inflated stats, right? Like the only thing that made him stand out to scouts was his pedigree. His father was a baseball player and he had like the, um, the height, the weight to be a quarterback as opposed to previous Texas Tech quarterback. So yeah, that's my thoughts there. But yeah, I'm going through a lot of trauma right now. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I, I should publicize the uh, tweets, uh, not tweets, the text I got from Weez. They were pretty funny on Sunday, and it gave me a little joy amidst the pain of my gout in my big toe. Uh, all right, Matt, what uh, was the moment on Sunday's game? I have a moment like this, and then I'm going to ask Weez when you're done to give uh, his moment. What, what was the moment in the game when you realized that the Bears were still the same old Bears and they didn't have a chance. Oh, I don't know if it was inter- the interception and was that the third quarter? I think it was before that, though. I think it was when Aaron Jones was running all over you guys just like crazy. And that was also the moment when I when I I felt such, such a sigh of relief. I have my own problems with our coaching staff. Number one is that we have one of the best running backs, in, at least top 10 in the NFL. Uh, and we hardly give the guy the ball. He had like barely any carries in the first half. But but to see them make him the centerpiece of that opening drive in the second half and to see the Bears defense just basically, you know, blow away in the wind in the face of that, I, it reaffirms for me both the uh, – the ability of our team to do great things and the uh, the uh, uh, ever uh, ever true cent- central lyrics to my song of the Bears still suck. Uh, our Moise, do you have a moment when you realized uh, your prediction was not going to come true? It was the same old, same old. Yeah, I think I think the first it was a mixture of things because that that shit like there's so much going on. Uh, the Comet sneak was just like you had momentum and then that dumbass sneak. And then, you know, like teeing up Justin on the next play for an obvious thing that the defense knew. Um, I think the the repeated giving up of third downs, running a soft shell, uh, where essentially the boundary to the first down was available on so many of these. Like watching the All-22 on third downs had me so depressed. And it's like, what are you doing, Alan Williams? But again, that guy shouldn't be coaching in the NFL. Like uh, that, I think... Um, I think Chase Claypool trying to block on the boundary was another like moment where I was like, this is, this is it, right? Like here's a dude in a contract year and he's not going all out. And like, what, what is your culture then? Right? Like you've been, you traded a first round pick for this guy because it was a 32nd pick and Miami had to forfeit. Yeah. Miami had to forfeit their pick. So traditionally this would be a second round number one pick. But this was actually – you have a shot in the first round. You traded for this guy who won't even block. Um, I, I had – yeah, I mean like those moments and like just seeing Justin having to like – you can see he's being coached on the check down. And people want to call him a one-read quarterback. But like I, I was watching Justin in year one and he was so much more decisive. He was so much more ready, right? It was, it was all of that. But just seeing how flat they came out. Uh, seeing the offensive line getting tail whipped. I, I think within the first three minutes, I kind of was like, man, this is not good. Well, I, I'll, 
I do it right away. Oh, go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. No, I have a question for you guys that just honestly perplexes me. Like, why didn't Moore get more targets? That was, that was just... I don't really yeah, get it. Yeah, Ty Tolbert, who's the Bears wide receiver coach, I think probably was the most honest person today. He's like, you know, you got someone like DJ who's going to get attention. You know what we can do? We can move him around. You know what we can do? We can also, like, line him up in different spots. We can also, like, make exchanges. Um, I mean, you had Luke Getze giving up, like, oh, I mean, like, it's just terrible at Hallis Hall based on these tweets, based on what people are reporting, hearing some clips, but – the wide receiver coach straight up said, like, we can do things, right? Like, like Green Bay had a plan. Listen, this this trash can of an offensive coordinator came from Green Bay. Don't forget, these these two garbage coaches that we know of recently, and, like, I really want to not say this because these people have worked hard to go to where they are, but we'll talk about Jim Trotter and, like, some of these clowns like Hackett who are running on a family name. But the two biggest assholes calling offensive plays in this football league – both came from Green Bay. Hackett, who I'm going to love watching him drown now that his boy's injured. And then this guy, Luke Getze. And here's the thing. None of them called plays. None of them called plays. Lafleur did. And Lafleur, we were talking about him earlier, came from a team that at one point the staff was Shanahan, McVay, Lafleur, and McDaniel. Right? Like that, that Washington squad that they had. Those were the coaches. So – they knew they knew the Bears like offense, but like the wide receiver coach is the only one saying we can get creative. Luke Getze is kind of hinting, well, you know, Justin's got to release the ball. But then Eberflus at one point says we had back to back catches to DJ Moore. They asked him, why do you come out? And the coach is like, I don't know. So like, you know, like Moose and Muhammad used to say, right, Chicago, where wide receivers come to die. And, yeah. you know, here we go. No, to answer your question, Matt. uh and so this is going to tie two things together. Uh, so I've heard so many Bear fans. I've had so many conversations with Bear fans who, in, in a sense, this is um, a Bear fans attempt uh, to divert, to, to like not think about the fact that they could have had Patrick Mahomes. And non-football fans out there who are still listening, if you are, God bless you. Patrick Mahomes is probably the greatest quarterback of his generation. Okay, so uh, Tom Brady is obviously the greatest quarterback of all time. Patrick Mahomes could be number two when it's all over. It could be a debate like Jordan versus LeBron. Jordan's obviously the greatest, LeBron's second. So Patrick Mahomes will probably be second to Tom Brady. Bears could have had him. So what Bears fans say is what uh, Moise say, a very, I've heard it a million times, the Bears are so bad that Patrick Mahomes, even Patrick Mahomes, would not have developed here. To which I always say to Bear fans, oh, if that's true, does that mean that if Mitch Trubisky had been dra- drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs, he'd be the second greatest quarterback of all time? Obviously not. And so my guess is that if Patrick Mahomes had come to the Bears, they'd have screwed up Patrick Mahomes, and then they would have let him go, and he would have been like Brett Favre being let go from Atlanta and finding home at Green Bay. And as much as I despise the Green Bay Packers and their little aura and their little cheesehead stuff, I have to say there's something in Green Bay, Moise and Matt, where they develop quarterbacks, and there's something in Chicago where they destroy quarterbacks. And I, I don't know what it is. I, I can't. I'm like, I don't understand why the Green Bay Packer guys turn into good quarterbacks and Chicago Bear quarterbacks 
are so bad that Bear fans think that the greatest quarterback of his generation would be terrible if he came to Chicago. Matt, you get to talk first, then Moise. Go. <laughs> well, for, I mean, first, I think we really need to address uh, the elephant in, in the room that we haven't haven't really hit on that much here, which is who was not on the field. Uh, you know, somebody who has more experience than than most people ever in, in hitting, throwing the ball to the green and gold. Of course, I'm talking about Jay Cutler. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think he proves your point as well. Not that not that he went on and had glory in other organizations, but I, you know, in my humble opinion, he certainly performed better than he did when he was the Chicago Bears after he finally left that wretched squad. And yes, I think that the Packers, I mean, we're forgetting, we've, it's not just Favre and Rodgers. It was Bart Starr before that. Bart Starr, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, and move aside Patrick Mahomes because here comes Jordan no. Love. You heard it first on the Ben Jarofsky show. First of all, you weren't even born when Bart Starr was playing. Okay, I'm the only one here who's ever seen Bart Starr play. Uh, all right. And you're like, you're forgetting Don Majewski and you had some, see, that's the other thing. I'm just going to say this before Moise talks. You were, you were ripping on Moise <laughs> for being uh, a, a fickle fan. I remember when the Packers sucked in the seventies and man, Packer fans were hiding under chairs and tables and suddenly wearing Pittsburgh Steelers. I love the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> So, no, it's a relatively recent thing where Packer fans are like, I ride or die with the Packers. Yeah, because they've been good for the last 15 no. years. Uh, That's not All right, true. Louise, address the quarterback situation. Go. Yeah, I mean, I'm a firm believer there's something in the DNA of, uh, of a city, right? Like, um, you know, this is a city that has a chip on its shoulder. It's a city that really believes in certain things. And, and you know, the McCaskies aren't immune to that. Um, you know, this, these are folks who have prioritized defense, 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 even as the league evo uh, evolves, right? And these are people who really, uh, you know, they had an accountant running the show. And in, in, uh, mm -hmm. what was that clown's name? Um, McCaskey? Ted, uh, no, uh, Ted yeah. Phillips. They had yeah. him running the show, right? Like, they don't, they don't care, man. Like, they don't care. And I always think about, you know, nowadays because of movies and, like, stuff I love talking to my kids about. Um, my students about like, you know, when we think about, you know, breaking down in English one, like plots and themes and freshman seminar, like multiverses, right? There were these moments where the bears had chances, you know what I mean? Like when Cutler came in and, um, I know it was rough because of what happened to Robert Griffin in Washington, but like the Shanahan's were available and the bears decided no, uh, Bruce Arians wanted the bears job so badly. And then Phil Emery made him do a mock, like, or asked him to do a mock press conference. And Bruce Arians was like, this guy's an idiot. And then they doubled down and hired some dude from the CFL. Uh, then, then right now, Doug Peterson, right? Super Bowl winning, quarterback developing coach, available. Mike McDaniel from the Shanahan tree, available. Um, they went with Matt Eberflus. And, you know, like, the thing is, I've made so many parallels to my brother, who's the only person who can stand me, about, like, I think Ryan Poles is Phil Emery. And I do think that Matt Eberflus is the defensive Mark Trestman, right? Like, you know, I remember Emery drafted these two defensive tackles, uh, Ego Ferguson, Will Sutton. And everybody was just like, what are we doing, right? Like, and Shea McClellan was the first round pick. And then I saw, yeah, I like, I saw this dude, when we have so many holes, he picks two developmental defensive tackles. And Jalen Carter was right there. Another three technique, right? Character issues be damned. Like, if you believe in your culture, you're going to draft these dudes, right? 
And that was like a first sign for me in the draft that they didn't believe Eberflus and this team had a good enough culture that they could help this kid figure it out. This kid who is going to be a force for the Eagles. Yeah, he had a great Um, game. Yes, he did. He had a great game. and But it's something, right? Look, they broke Jay Cutler. They broke Jay Cutler. And Mitch might not be good, but I'll tell you right now, you put Mitch with Andy Reid, at least his his floor, or not his floor, but at least the ceiling could be Alex Smith. And Alex Smith had a great year under Andy, right? Um, There's just something wrong with this franchise, man. It it just – it's and it's like the same stupidity right now where a bunch of idiots who are – you know, walking around wearing Ditka sweaters, not realizing that man's like a racist right wing idiot. And on top of that, weren't born in the born in 85 and running around being like the Bears are now asking about this backup quarterback they got named Tyson Badgett, who didn't do sh- to me in preseason. But like, again, this is a city that falls in love with like, you know, the backup players, because that's who we want to be, apparently backups to the backups. Right. And this is a city on top of that, that like destroys quarterbacks and like. You made a comment about Mahomes. If he was here and he would have gotten the shit pounded out of him here because we don't want to build an offensive line, we don't want to help these kids develop, he would have he would have not been good anywhere else. Like, this stuff takes a toll on you. And, and the emotional part about this is like, dude, I love Justin Fields, man. I love that dude at Ohio State. I've loved that dude for a long time. I think he's awesome. His character is awesome. He's a hard worker. He throws a gorgeous deep ball. He wasn't a running quarterback in college. He had to adjust here. They left They left this kid out to dry. They wanted the number mm-hmm. one pick. They put a bunch of dudes who are not in the league around him. And this kid is not going to recover. The amount of the pace he's on to get hit, the pace he's on for sacks, and the way he just looks out there. Like, you're just like, part of me is just hoping that, like, someone makes an offer that the Bears are like, oh, yeah, we're on it. And yeah, he goes I, I and he really, succeeds somewhere else. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. Uh, I absolutely want him to uh, get out of this this city and this uh, this team. Absolutely. Uh, and then, because I want him to blossom, I agree with you on everything you said. I'm going to say this right now. This is how pathetic and sad this is. I've been a Bear fan since 1966. So I missed the Sid Luckman era. <clears throat> In all the years I've been watching the Bears, the greatest quarterback, the Bears have ever had. Get ready for this, Matt. The greatest quarterback the Bears have had is Jay Cutler. Bear fans, <laughs> <laughs> Bear fans hate on Jay Cutler. He's the greatest. And you know what? On that same period, I've been watching the Bears in 66, greatest receiver, Brandon Marshall. That's the greatest quarterback and the greatest receiver this team. Why am I a Bears I, fan? Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, the, I I would like to say Jay Cutler was uh, the second best quarterback on our team. Uh. Uh, (laughs) I got to jump in, man. That guy was awesome. They gave him nothing. They let him get his brains beat out. They did not give him an offensive line. They they told him Devin Hester is your number one receiver. They 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 did not know what to do with a guy who came in who had his ability. I, I dude, I don't like Jay Cutler off the field for his for reasons, but like. That guy took everything that was coming to him, and he was snake bitten too. And he had a great receiver, Brandon Marshall. That's a and, great, that, and they that, put it up right. They put up numbers yeah. that year. That one year, and then you're right. I, oh my god, oh, still haunts me that Packers game. It was in the play. Look at Matt; he's already smiling. Where Jay Cutler got hurt, and, and Chicago fans are just merciless on the two. They just they. Uh, all right. Um, there's no. There's no. 
sound than uh, Bears fans booing their own team. That's just classic, classic <laughs> Bears fans. It is so true. The Bears. Listen, bro, had... you, you've got stock in a team. You really believe that you own stock in a team. You got to stop coming for us, bro. Yeah. That's a scam. I hope the FEC, I think... FEC like, or somebody takes that <laughs> franchise to task for that BS. Like, you're an owner. Yeah. Have you? By the way, you've invested in the Packers. You've bought shares into the Packers. Is that true, Matt? Yeah, I'm. I, I had handed down from family a share in the Packers, and that's not a that's not a BS scheme. That's the truth. How do you think a small working class, How do you think this, a small working class town like Green Bay? There is not a massive market there through all those years through the '70s that Ben referenced was able to hold on to that team, continue to build good squads. Etc. Why has that not been sold to a major market? Why has that been able to continue to draw major talent? Why has that been able to continue to foster the kind of teams you see coming out of Green Bay? It's because we're community owned. There is, there is. Well, they. By the way, just so you know this, uh, before you were born, uh, they used to play half their games in Milwaukee. Uh, so that's that just speaks to me. That's the Packer fans don't even know that stuff. They played after games in Milwaukee. Even the Cheeseheads quit going to those games. I was the only one interested in following them because I hated them so much. All right. Um, so let's shift gears and close uh, with Jim Trotter. And this is uh, – I alerted both of my guests that I'd be talking about this. Uh, this is a very revealing story that's breaking. Uh, and I hope our political listeners have been have stuck with us on this uh, because there are all kinds of racial and political ramifications to this story. So Jim Trotter is a reporter and he worked for the NFL and more and more of the leagues, the teams have their own sports staff that cover them. That's like a, a trend that's developing in professional sports. Everybody wants to control the information and shape the information. Uh, and uh, so he was a reporter for the NFL uh, and he uh, got fired, I think it was, um, about a year or so ago and he filed suit. I'll read you the story. Uh, uh, Jim Trotter filed a discrimination lawsuit against the NFL and NFL media Tuesday, alleging that he was let go by the Football League because he publicly challenged Commissioner Roger Goodell and other executives on the NFL's, quote, record of race discrimination and lack of diversity, uh, end of quote. According to the lawsuit earlier this year, Trotter, a black man, was asked by the NFL's vice president of on-air management to confirm whether Trotter was in alignment with the NFL after he publicly challenged Goodell on national TV about NFL media's lack of black employees and senior management. After Trotter alleges that he was not in alignment with the knee, with the league's uh, alleges lack of diversity and inclusion, he was told the NFL would not renew his contract. That's pretty cold-blooded. Uh, in his contract, he reveals um, some statements uh, that were allegedly made, one by the owner of the Buffalo Bills, who said, allegedly, I should say, quote, if the black players don't like it here, they should go back to Africa and see how bad it is. That owner has vehemently denied that he said it. Uh, and then Jerry Jones, who's the... Um, owner of the Dallas Cowboys, a team I may dislike even more than the Packers, if such a thing is possible, um, <laughs> uh, responded to a question allegedly posed by Trotter about the lack of black leaders in the NFL by saying, quote, if blacks feel some kind of way, they should buy their own team and hire who they want to hire. M Marie Antoinette apparently is now owning the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, this... Um, this this case, uh, if it comes to court, 
and gets to the deposition stage, if the NFL can keep it from going uh, to arbitration, which is what they usually try to do with matters like this, because then they they can control and cover up uh, whatever information is released and just sort of force a settlement. If this gets to uh, deposition uh, and gets uh, to discovery stage, could reveal a lot of dirty secrets about the racist attitudes that the powers that be in the NFL have about black people. Uh, And keep in mind, I think roughly 70% of the NFL are black players. So it's a league owned by white people that largely is um, the stars of the league, the players in the league are black. Uh, So I I believe uh, this is one of these moments where the NFL is either going to have to pay um, Jim Trotter a lot of money to silence him or come face-to-face with some dirty secrets they've been trying to reveal. I'll start with Moise, and then, Matt, give your, your thoughts. Go, Moise. Yeah, I mean, listen, the NFL is an economic force, right? I, I've never seen a league so politically, um, like, just in, in, ensconced in the politics, right? Like, Trump. How much he tried to use football to do to reach out to voters and like to demand some more white supremacy type behavior. Right. Um, This is a league where we don't know the settlement with Colin Kaepernick. This is a league where we don't know, um, you know, what happened with Brian Flores situation. Right. Like a very good coach who was released and then somehow doesn't get a head coaching job. And now is the defensive coordinator in Minnesota. I think they will settle with Jim Trotter. I think I, I mean. These folks are powerful, man. Like when the Gruden stuff came up, it just got swept under the rug. They had the Washington owner doing like insane things, right? A lot of it never blew up how it should have blown up. Or like they've never gotten the reckoning that they're meant for. But I'm not surprised, man. Like, look, a lot of these dudes come from old plantation money. I'm talking about Jerry Jones. A lot of these dudes have some very problematic things. They used to say problematic things a lot. And now they've been told like, you know, Let's let's diversity, equity, inclusion a little bit in, right? Like wear some helmets that say end racism, this, that, that, this. But like it's whatever the rot is, it's there and it's in the core and it's not going to show out all the times. But like I, I it's hard for me to understand how a league that is majority African-American cannot produce African-American coaches, cannot produce African-American coordinators, defense on the offensive side. Right. There's so many voids there and that how many people who play this game at such a high level still get like, you know, are, we're still talking about like Deion Sanders, son. People are like, oh, he can't play quarterback in the NFL. Right. Like, but the kid from Texas, Quinn Evers, tries to be like him. But that guy is a surefire first round pick. Right. It it, it preeminates from the college game with all the with like the SEC all the way up top to this. So. I, I'm glad Jim Trotter's thing is a little bit more visible. I'm glad that, you know, he's naming names and I'm, I'm hopeful that this will work out. But like this sport is too important to this country. It's a massive distraction for people. It's, it's a sport that, you know, we have 18 weeks of in playoffs, but people think about it all year round. The draft is an industry on its own. Uh, going to Indianapolis for the combine is an industry on its own, right? All these different things. It's just like an economic machine. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen, but like I always keep thinking like when is the NFL going to actually have its reckoning? It has skeeted around or like gotten around so much 
at that when are they going to actually pay their dues for what they've been doing subtly, what's been leaked, how they've you know blackballed a player for taking a stance for doing something that was even when you look at the the nuts and bolts of it was like very well thought out was respectful. Like this is the NFL and it just seems like it won't be touchable. And, you know, Jim Trotter is going to do his best, but there'll be a settlement at some point. And six months from now, the show goes on. And I just want to point out before we turn it over to Matt, uh, that the player that uh, Moise was alluding to Colin Kaepernick, who is essentially uh, kicked out of the uh, NFL, uh, for being outspoken with his political beliefs on uh, racial issues. Uh, the story just broke. Uh, he appealed to the New York Jets uh, to be at least given a tryout to replace uh, Aaron Rodgers, whose season is over. <laughs> he's 35 years old, and uh, he's in great physical shape. And they wouldn't, they politely said no. So I guess the banning of Colin Kaepernick continues. And that, by the way, I will never forgive the Bears. They didn't sign Kaepernick. If you recall, it was they had the worst quarterback. <laughs> what was old boy's name? The tall guy. Oh, he was terrible. They gave him like $18 million. He was awful. And he could have signed Colin Kaepernick. There was an injury. And oh, I Enough on the Bears. Matt, your thought on Trotter and his lawsuit? No, I, I agree with, uh, with with Moise's analysis of what you've said here. I mean, you look, the NFL is a reflection of the society that birthed it. It is This is a, a deeply racist, white supremacist society to this day, founded on settler colonialism. And and the NFL is this, you know, I, I just, despite my love for the Packers, despite how I get excited when football season starts, it's a terrible sport. It's a gladiator sport. It's militaristic. It's, you know, talk about it, about the, we're, we're just producing an entire uh, squadron and generation of people with, with, with brain injuries, with, you know, with, with acquired disabilities, preventable disabilities for, for us to be able to sit around and, and enjoy this. And, and it's, you know, it's a deeply, deeply racist institution. I also think that this lawsuit coming on the heels uh, of this, this political conjuncture is, is important and interesting. You know, there's a reckoning that we had, there was this moment uh, in the aftermath of George Floyd, et cetera, where everybody, the NFL included, wanted to come out and make it look like they were uh, quote unquote woke and that, you know, put, put a Kaepernick, actually Kaepernick Nike commercials on and uh, all these other things to, to try to, uh, a signal uh, that they were with the currents. And, and as soon as the momentum of that particular moment uh, died out and people started getting scared again of, of, uh, of the right wing, et cetera, um, their true colors co- come right back to floor. I mean, it is continues to be, like you said, a, a white owned league full of black players, um, you know, and, and uh, I'm glad to see Trotter really taking them to task. I think Mies is probably right. Sadly, they probably will settle and try to sweep it under the rug. But look, this whole story, and I do hope that your listeners who aren't sports fans have made it to, to this point here. Uh, and I do always appreciate your show for this. It really brings to the forefront something that I've always held to be true, which is that sports is an arena just like every other arena of, of society for struggle and that we can't abandon it to the right. We can't abandon it. We have to, you know, look at the, uh, you can, we do, uh, look, I'm somebody just like me uh, who's knocked thousands and thousands of doors and worked hard and hard and hard and hard to get, a, you know, a hundred people to a protest or, or so-and-so elected to office or to get so-and-so to pay attention to a message and maybe get a press story or if we're lucky, a Ben Jarofsky column uh, out of all of our efforts. But you get, you have, uh, you know, uh, a, a Trotter stand up and say what he said, a, a Kaepernick sit down and do what he did, you know, uh, 
um, uh, a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, you know, a Megan Rapinoe, you know, the stands that these players take reaches reaches scales of people that we could only hope to ever be able to reach as, as organizers, as lefties, et cetera. And so we really need to, we need to follow these things. We need to engage around them. And, and I'll just close by saying uh, one last little story that really brings this home for me. I was doing poll watching uh, during the 2020 presidential election in Kenosha, Wisconsin, in the aftermath um, of the the latest, it wasn't a police killing, thank goodness there, but the, the latest uh, incident of, of very highly visible police uh, brutality there uh, and the aftermath of that. And, and uh, you know, as was expected during that intense moment and that intense election, uh, a number of sort of extreme right-wing MAGA folks with the flags, et cetera, came to start agitating and intimidating voters and others at the polls. And uh, I have to say, you know, what was, I don't want to toot my own horn too much, but I was able to almost single-handedly de-escalate and move them along uh, by connecting with them over the Packers, by picking off the weakest link in the crowd, striking up a conversation about the Packers, uh, getting the guy to come to tears, telling me his own story of having uh, lost a daughter to cancer and not been able to afford treatment because of not having insurance after having been laid off by the air and line industry, and eventually go to, to the rest of his crew and say, hey, you guys, these folks over here, they're not even really Biden people. You know, they're just looking out for people's right to vote. Let's move on. We got better things to do. And, and they left off, right? And that ability to connect with that that moment uh, over over our mutual love of the Packers, the only thing that united us, really hit home for me this point that we cannot abandon sports as if it's just some some irrelevant thing, as if it's the in the worst case of this uh, terrible analysis, the quote-unquote opiate of the masses. No, sports is, is an area we need to be engaged in, and, and, and kudos to Trotter for uh, for using it in that way in this well, moment. I'm about to push back a little bit. I'd love to get Moise's thoughts on this. Uh, I, <laughs> word. I think football's a great game. I absolutely. I, I, there was a, a phase of my life, Matt, where I was like, I'm not going to like football anymore. It's like this political. <laughs> it was so dumb. I, it lasted like a day, uh, maybe a week. I love the game of football. I I mean, I'm now it's confession time. I love boxing. And we talk about boxing on the show. Uh, Sergio Rivera comes on, uh, trainer uh, and uh, very sophisticated uh, student of boxing. Uh, and um, mixed martial arts, et cetera, and so forth. And we always talk about this. He goes, the world is violent. Life is violent. I, football is, and boxing, to a degree, are reflections of a world that exists. Uh, and I just have such profound respect for the people who play the game. And I get so angry, uh, as uh, Moise and Matt were saying, that they were left exposed uh, with the, with the head injuries and how the NFL tried to bury that evidence uh, and uh, resisted the overture, they, they resisted the warnings from doctors that they these players were killing themselves on our behalf, uh, and then finally were forced. This is how phony they are with a lawsuit uh, to say, "Oh yeah, now we care about them. We're going to change protocols." Uh, and that even there they were racist because they try to give the black players less money than the white players. But I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to apologize for loving football, the game of football. Moise, I would love you to address this. You coached the damn game. You played the game. You take it beyond even what I do and what Matt does. What's your thoughts? Is football a game that you're embarrassed to admit you like? I think it's hard. I love football, dude. I love football. I love the Bears. Like I sent you a picture of Harold Washington with the Bears hat on. Like I, I love the Bears, dude. 
I, I love the Bears. I love football, and I love I love the city. Um, I think, you know, it, it's like I was very grateful in my life to read Howard Zinn and you know learn about folks like Dave Zirin, like great people who wrote that we can be critical and we can have a critical lens of sports, but also carry like what Matt's mentioning, right? Like we can't we can't concede these territories to the right wing. Like I love. You know, part of loving coaching, whether it was boys football or flag football, uh, which I'm doing right now, um, was that you get to work with young people and help kind of undo some of this like um, toxic level of masculinity. Right. Or like these ideas in sports that breed like for for 60 minutes or 80 minutes or however long a game will go that you don't need to be considered about the people playing across from you. I think the humanity of football players is really shown when DeMar Hamlin, you know, was was hurt in that game. And they wanted these players to go out there and play. And, you and you know, that was such an emotional moment for me because you saw people like Joe Burrow and these folks be like, no, we're not. Like, we're human, right? Like, you can't be throwing people out there. And those are the moments that make me proud of football. Um, but I, I do think, like, there's much to be said, like Matt had mentioned, about, like, these are people who would allow folks to have traumatic head injuries and like would not give them healthcare for the rest of their life mm -hmm. or would not be willing to change the tackling, the protections. There's something to be said about someone who took a courageous stand like Colin Kaepernick being run out of town. There's something to be said about how many black coaches have been denied promotions and not been given a chance. There's something to be said about the treatment of black quarterbacks in the NFL, right? Like, um, like I think about relationships as a teacher and like, how much someone like Justin could use someone who gets him as a play caller, someone who's gone through those spaces, but there's never a pipeline for this stuff. Um, I love football, but I'm, but like part of loving something like the old cliche is being astutely aware of its shortcomings and where it can be made better. Um, and that's how I feel, right? Like I, I don't, I don't get embarrassed to say I love football, but I do think about any time that, you know, a situation like Jim Trotters comes up where I'm like, man, this game, it deserves such a reckoning. And people, people who've played this game, the people who pay to watch these games, the people who care about this game because it's one of the few good things going on in their life, they deserve better than the way you know this 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 system behaves because it can get away with these things. All right, that's a good spot to leave it. Uh, I will make. I'll end with a confession. I will be watching. <laughs> Having said all this, I will be watching the Bears-Tampa game on Sunday. Of course, I have this gout plaguing me, so I can't go anywhere anyway, uh, Matt. So I have no choice, and I'll be watching. I'll probably be watching it anyway. Uh, will you, Matt, be watching the Bears game on uh, Sunday? Are you watching the Packers? Oh, <laughs> I want to see football, Ben. Uh, Louise, will you be watching the Bears on Sunday? No. I just wow. can't. I can't, dude. I can't. Uh, I'll be looking at ESPN consistently, uh, but I can't, man. I just – Todd Bowles is such a great coach on the defensive side and the exotic blitzes and stuff that are going to come up. I just feel like it's going to be a bad day for Justin. And the Bears look lost. They do look lost, but I'll say this. You predicted they were going to win game one, so I'm going to take this as a uh, – uh, like an indication that you will be wrong again. I hope so. And the Bears will be triumphant. They'll be one and one. And guess what? The following week, Louise will be joining me back on the bandwagon. Uh, <laughs> no, you're going to say the show. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll be. And it'll be the Kansas City game. Oh, my home. Oh, my God. My home. Slice and dice. All right. Enough of that. I'm just uh, now just tormenting myself. 
Uh, Matt, thank you very much. Appreciate you coming on the show, even though you began it with that wretched song. Uh, and um, <laughs> and Moise, thank you again uh, for being on the show. All right. Uh, go pack. Just go. I love you, Chicago. Sure I hope everything did. works for you. That's all I'll say. All right. Very good. Uh, Matt, Moise, thank you. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.